0: Welcome to the Noob Spirit Podcast. I am the show host, Isaac A.K.A. Shrek. Welcome. If you're here for the very first time, this is the show where we interview spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Today, it's Justin Townsend. He is the host of the Wild Fishing Game Podcast, which is kind of like a food-centric podcast where they talk about hunting, fishing, and cooking of all different types of wild foods. Today's episode, we focus in on three different ways that you can prepare fish. We we get into a burger recipe, a stock recipe, and a tin foil pack, which is... Remarkably versatile in a very interesting way uh, that I haven't even tried before. So I really like sort of being challenged and made to think about food in a different way. So it was really cool of Justin to come visit us. Before we get into today's episode, I want to get into a couple of quick shout-outs. Awesome review here. It says, great listen, relevant to UK Spiros, Loving it, guys. Recommended this by my dive buddy over here in Devon, and I'm hooked keeping lockdown bearable, and lots learned to improve my hunting this season. That's from UK Noob. I think I might have read this one out before, but anyway. Um, Also, Brett Whitman from Spear Factor Podcast has left me an awesome tip for cave diving. And if you want to leave a tip or if you want to leave a story or a lesson learned um, or you've bought yourself a new bit of equipment that you'd really like to review – Head along to NoobSpero.com, head up into the menu and find the Noob Spiros segment where you can leave a up to three minute voice message that I will try and include in a upcoming podcast episode. Try and keep it short and sweet, but I'd love to hear your stories. Get them in, get them to me. For now, let's get over and have a listen to Brett Whitman from Spear Factor's tip. Here we go.
1: Hey Shrek, it's Brett, uh, Mr. uh, Spear Factor. Anyways, I just wanted to let you know I had a tip for people that I guess I took for granted. And people didn't know about it very much. So my tip for people when they're looking for ledges and in holes, and areas where light is not necessarily getting to is when you're doing your breathe up, close your eyes or close one of your eyes so that like pirates did back in the day, when you go down, open that eye and it's already dilated for the lower light. Like, um, you know, pirates back there, they wore their eye patch on their eye. when They would go under the boat. They flipped the patch over so that they could see easier. Uh, anyways, just wanted to share that with you. Love what you're doing. Uh, keep it up, brother. And uh, I actually really like when you guys imitate American accents. It's pretty funny. All right, back.
0: Awesome tip there from Brett. Thanks for submitting that. So noobsparrow.com, head up to Noob Stories and you can submit your own voicemail. For now, I want to head out and chat with Justin Townsend. He's been a hunter and an angler since he was a child. He's now living in Florida. He's pretty much a Noob Spiro, but he's writing some fantastic recipes for Sparing Magazine. He's also Editor-in-Chief over at HarvestingNature.com and uh, he's a professionally trained chef. Let's get into it without further ado. This episode of the Noob Sparrow podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. They've been on board for more than 100 episodes. And I'd love for you to shop at spearfishing.com.au. They have a price beat guarantee, hassle-free returns, flat shipping rates across Australia, and you can save 20 bucks For every purchase over $200, if you use the code NOOBSPAROW, you save $20. Thanks for supporting the Noob Sparrow podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au partners of the new spirit podcast neptonics.com neptonics offers the best spearfishing gear spear guns carbon fins spear gun parts and packages at the lowest prices go to neptonics.com use the code noob10 to save 10% off anything at neptonics.com noob one zero. boom all right, well, welcome to the show. I've got Justin Townsend here from Harvesting Nature, the Wild Fishing Game podcast hosts him and a bunch of his buddies record a, a sick podcast all about sort of turning your wild fishing game into lovely, tasty meals for your uh, friends and family. Justin's also a trained chef. I'm looking forward to um, getting him on the show. So welcome along, Justin. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to chatting Yep, cool, cool. So today in Veterans Vault we were going to dig into sort of three different ways to think about preparing fish. So I'm, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that that sort of that part of the show. But um tell us a little bit about your podcast and the magazine that you're also editor in chief of. I think it's kind of it's something that a lot of my audience would probably be uh, be interested in because, you know, we we love turning our, you know, what we hunt and fish for into into awesome meals, so.
1: Yeah. So um kind of about me. So I, I grew up in Oklahoma, like middle of the country, in the U S uh, grew up hunting and fishing. And then, um, when I was 18 years old, I set off to college and while I was off in college, I started training in kitchens in New Orleans, which uh, for many of you that know is a, a big seafood city and, uh, mm. got it just got immersed in that sort of that lifestyle and culture. And then once I got out of college, uh, ended up on the West coast out in California and was really looking for, for something to do more with my cooking and my writing and everything. And that kind of laid the foundation for Harvesting Nature. Hmm. And uh, the whole thought behind it being, I, I want to find a way where I can connect, you know, my passion for food and my passion for the outdoors, be it, you know, hunting or fishing, uh, whatever the, the case, and kind of join them together. And and that was what is still harvesting nature Mm. and it just continued to grow, you know, since it's been, well, we're coming into our 10th year uh, of just growth of, of an online uh, sort of magazine Mm. where we put out daily articles about adventures or uh, wild recipes. Uh, We launched a podcast last year. Uh, We're starting to dabble into short film, but really like, like you said, our, our passion is, is taking what we harvest uh, from the field and creating a meal out of it to really like honor that catch or or that animal's life and, and really just eat good food at the end mm. of the day. <laughs> it's about doing what we enjoy and, and, and coming home with a good meal for our friends and family.
0: 100%, man. And um, I pitched you before we got on the show today because... You have written a book yourself about seafood and uh, and well, mostly wild game, I think. But could mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about that. Like, um, so obviously, ten years with the online publication, you had like probably hundreds of recipes to draw from. How did that sort of was that, is that also sort of an extension of what you've been doing with harvesting nature?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the book is titled Eat Wild Game. Uh, I, I like very straightforward titles. I don't like to to yeah. fluff it up that way. You know what you're getting. Yeah. And and I just went through there and uh, it's mostly a lot of venison, uh, wild pig, and uh, some small game recipes like rabbit, uh, squirrel, things like that in there. And mm. it's just kind of a, it's some of my favorites and some of those that I'd put together. Some I pulled off the website, some are uh unique to to paper. Um mm. but just really wanted to go for it. I saw a lot of other people uh putting together wild game cookbooks and I was like, you know what? I, I've got enough I've got enough confidence and enough recipes behind me that, you know, why not? So uh mm. I pulled the trigger, I did the whole self-publishing thing and and now we set almost uh, four years later. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's been out and I enjoy it. And everybody that's bought it nothing but positive feedback. So yeah, awesome, it's man. just an, another outlet to share
0: the food. Mm. I, like I mentioned, I, I was also pitching you an idea. I haven't told the community about it yet, but it's um, I'm putting together this idea called 99 Spiro Recipes, um, actionable meals for the everyday Spiro, less than 30 minutes prep time, keep trying to keep it really simple but crowdsourcing all the recipes from the community to um just help people make people more intentional towards the you know the animals and the and the fish and the game that we take so i'm um, very much aligned with kind of what you're doing man um tell us a little bit about your hunting fishing and now into spearfishing journey like um how has that sort of taken place i mean you, you said you you've sort of you've traveled all over the country a little bit there and you've lived in different parts of it how is the hunting sort of and the, and the fishing sort of gone with that.
1: So, uh, you know, I, I grew up hunting, uh, quite a bit in, in, fishing, uh, a lot, probably a lot more than, uh, than hunting. But, uh, as I grew older and into my teens, it just increased. Like I, I found that the, the outdoor world was like, it's where I felt comfortable. It's where I wanted to live. Like I, I would rather be outside running around the woods or the field or near the river or lake than, uh, than I would just sitting inside. So hmm. that sort of propelled that passion forward, but also to my family, like I come from a big agriculture family. So what we didn't grow or, or have to buy a uh, wild game and fish supplemented our meals, you know, it mm-hmm. was commonplace to see, you know, venison on the table or, you know, fried fish that we'd caught that weekend, you know, anything like that, just kind of there for us to eat. So it was really from the beginning, just kind of a natural part of life. And then, as I moved around, uh, you know, down to the Gulf of Mexico and then over to the West coast. And now I'm, I'm down in the Florida Keys. It, uh, it really, I I really wanted to say, I have this unique opportunity everywhere I go to find new environments to both hunt and fish in. Mm -hmm. And, And that, you know, that included when I moved down to the Keys, sort of getting into spearfishing too. But, I just see the environment around me and there's, there's multitude of food sources there that people walk past on a daily basis. And it's just like, Hey, you know, I get to play around with, with all this wild food and try new stuff. uh, Mm -hmm. So why not take the opportunity in in every place I live Mm -hmm. and sort of jumping into spearfishing. It was a little, it was a little intimidating for me, especially spending most of my time. And, you know, I'll admit I, I like, being in the water and I like spearfishing and all that, but it's just at the end of the day, I'm probably more comfortable with like dirt under my boots, but uh, yeah. it's still, it's still a fun place. And, and being in the Florida keys, it's definitely the closest I can get to hunting because yeah. the nearest hunting here is like four hours away. And it's uh it's easy for me to pitch to my wife. Like, Hey, some of the guys are going out on the boat tomorrow morning versus like, Hey, I need to pull two days and and go up and camp yeah, overnight. Yeah. And so uh, that's a so fun that.
0: That's the funny thing too about adult life when you've got a family and things like that. It's sort of like a lot of, you you know, your activities and and things have to kind of match the context and situation you're in, you know. Like Mm -hmm. um, if everything's two hours away or four hours away, um, it becomes a much greater task getting out and doing what you enjoy, even though, you know, like you said, sort of dirt under your boots is is probably more your zone. With the spearfishing side of things, whereabouts in the keys are you and sort of... um, and and how is that journey sort of taken place?
1: So I, I'm down in the key I'm down in Key West, so very end of the the Keys. And um as far as getting into it, so um I, I moved down here in twenty sixteen mm. and got down here and I was just like, you know, uh saltwater fishing being relatively unfamiliar to me. So I was like, well, what can I do? And then you know, some friends were telling me about spearfishing and I was like, wow, this sounds like really cool. Like I get a gun, you need to go dive under the water. So I got to <laughs> figure that part out. Yeah. And then I got to figure out how to shoot this gun underwater and then, uh, and then figure out what fish I'm supposed to shoot and what fish I'm not supposed to shoot. <laughs> That's the other challenging part. Yeah. But, um, I, I think as I got into it, it's just like, I just found sort of a, a comfort in it and, uh, just began to really enjoy it. You know, we, we are fortunate enough to have good weather here the majority of the year. Like the visibility is kind of off and on at different parts with storms Mm. and, you know, you get hurricane season, churns up the water and stuff. But, uh, when things are good here, they're really good. Mm. So that's, I think what's kind of kept me back. And it's like, I, I live across the street from the water so I can literally just grab my gear, call a buddy and like, we're in the water in like 15 minutes.
0: Wow. So, I've got a buddy who's a bit further north of you, so Isla Morata. Um His name's uh, Ed from Killshot Spear Guns, and mm-hmm. um, he's got a shop there too if you're looking to stop or do a course as well. But um, he sort of said, like, a lot of the stuff, you've got to travel by boat to get into the good stuff. Is that true down in Key West as well?
1: Yep. Yeah, so uh, there's obviously opportunities, like, the thing is it gets kind of shallow and you end up with sort of these grass flats and in places and mangroves, uh, in areas. So the water doesn't get too, too deep. And like, you can, you can hit some of the channels and stuff, but it's like the best opportunities are definitely by boat and it, you're not traveling far. Like you may need to just travel five to 10 minutes by boat just to get to a spot. Uh, or there's opportunities where you can travel, you know, for two hours and get to some really great spots. It's just kind of, kind of what you're, what you're in the mood to? There's also some great shore diving. Like there's some a couple spots off the south side of the the island that you can hit uh, just walking off, and uh, you know even here by my house. So I'm on I'm on the north side of Key West, and and there's some areas too as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh,
0: did how comfortable were you in the water? And um, how was the free dive?
1: Uh, you free dive spearfishing? Mm-hmm. Yep, free dive spearfishing. So not. Uh, I don't go too, too deep. So that's still something I'm working on. And I'll I'll probably, uh, um, we're actually, we're looking to move in the summer. um, So depending on where we end up, I'll I'll probably take on some, some free diving classes and stuff to try to, to hone my skill, but I'm, I'm fairly comfortable in the water, uh, trained a lot swimming, um, sort of in college and in the earlier part of my life i guess uh and then (laughs) did some some scuba courses and stuff like that so uh that i'm comfortable in the water just uh just getting used to different environments i guess is is an overcoming factor okay so tell us
0: like uh, i mean so sounds like you've started spearfishing down there what was what are some of the kind of the the easier species to to hit there
1: uh, probably snapper uh we end up with a lot of snapper here uh you mm. get like mangrove snapper uh you can occasionally stumble across mutton snapper we have a really good uh hogfish season here uh which is pretty good and then uh you know grouper uh, one of my favorites is uh yellow jack not a lot of people are super passionate about it but i think it's a great fish um, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh those are pretty pretty common around so uh I hear good we'll, things we'll about those, those
0: yellow jack too. Like they're not they're not rated because they're they're not so difficult to spear. Although, um, you know, when you're starting, all of them are difficult. So yeah, um, you know what I mean. So, but I've heard good things about like yellow jack ceviche and and sashimi and things like that. What how do, what's your sort of way of preparing them?
1: Um, I mean, so we we honestly did. Uh, I brought some back uh one day we brought back some hogfish, we brought back some grouper and we brought back some yellowjack and we did my wife and my daughter and I so my daughter's 8 and we did a uh, I cooked them all the same exact way, salt pepper. I was like we're going to figure out like these are some of the most common fish in our area. We're going to figure out which one we like so that we know like hey, I'm out there spear fishing and like boom, there's a hogfish. I want to get it and bring it home or boom, there's an amberjack. And uh so we ended up like all three of us, hands down, like the yellow Jack, uh, took it for, for different reasons, um, over the other two. And mm-hmm. it, it, just, it became a, a favorite. And I mean, I've done it, done it on the grill. I've done it fried. I've done uh, we would do like a poke with it. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a good all around like versatile fish. I think we've done mm-hmm. some fish soups with like coconut and curry and stuff. So really just, just trying to mix it up. Yeah, nice man, nice. Okay, cool.
0: All right, so you, who's did someone show you the ropes when you got in the water? What was the story
1: there? Um, n- not really. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I, I had a buddy who came down here around about the same time, and, and he and I kind of both got into it. Uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of reading, a lot of researching, and and sort of YouTubing, and you know, being new to the island, I didn't really know sort of where to go outside, like the. The local spearfishing shop or you know wherever to be like hey can can somebody help me out can somebody take me along and then you know through the years through work and things like that i've, I've managed to connect uh with other people who spearfish and we've kind of got this little little team of, of about four or five guys that will will go out with each other so it's a we built a little community
0: yeah nice nice
1: and um has everyone got boats um, so two, two of the guys have boats. I don't have a boat. Uh, I've just, I, I had a boat at one point in my life out on the West coast and, um, just decided it was probably better to, uh, <laughs> to avoid that one. So I have a lot of friends with boats, I'll say. Yeah. That's the way <laughs> that's like, that's like number
0: one tip and 99 tips to get better at spear fishing is just make friends with boats.
1: <laughs> yeah. Make no. friends with boats and, and be good at cleaning fish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With you,
0: I mean, when you're friends with people with boats, it's a little bit different, but what about, like, have you been out with um, guys you're not really yet friends with or don't have good ties and relationships with? Have you been out on strangers' boats to go spearfishing?
1: Um, I mean, not not necessarily strangers' boats. I've, I've been out with uh, people that I don't know that well and sort mm-hmm. of are like, new to the group or maybe they're, they're in town visiting one of the other guys or something and, and we've taken them out, so... Uh, definitely had those experiences. or people who are just, were friends with, but interested in spearfishing and never done it before. And you're kind of like, well, come along. Like I'll, I'll kind of show you what I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's your, sort of your code? Like, how do
0: you, uh, make sure that you're, you know, um, being the best crew member, I guess.
1: Um, for me, so I, am always like, uh, I'm always eager to help, you know, 10 lines or do whatever and, and drop anchor, pull anchor. Uh, like i said clean fish is is one of the biggest when i when we come back home I'll, uh, I'll i'll say like hey i'll take all the fish i'll clean them up i'll like vacuum seal them and then i'll i'll go drop them off at everybody's house cuz we all kind of live in the same neighborhood oh wow and uh so that way it, it kind of helps solidify that spot because they're like, oh, yeah, Justin, he's the fish cleaning guy. So uh, <laughs> uh, it works out because, you know, at the end of the day, when everybody's hot and tired and you're just like you've been out there for a while, it's like who wants to clean fish? And it's like, yeah, I, I don't want them to go to waste. So I'll I'll push through it. Um, another thing helping out with gas is big. You know, the guys aren't sticklers about it, but I'm, I'm always quick to be like, hey, man, like. You want money for gas? Like, I'll, I'll kick you some money, whatever.
0: Mm-mm. I think for me, that's part of that. Another idea for that book that I want to put together, the 99 Spare Recipes, because it's like, you you know, you, you know yourself, you go out spearfishing, you're in the water for, I don't know, I, I'll go out, I'll be in the water for eight hours if I can. If, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if we've got plenty of people that want to volunteer for, 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 to be Bodie or the skipper, you know, because we do a lot of drift diving. Um, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's the same with you, are. but you get in and, you know, it's an hour. To and from each way, and then you spend all that time in the water, you're dehydrated, you're buggered. Generally, you get the really good night's sleep after a day like that. But you get home, you look at all your gear, you've got to wash it, then you've got to, you know, clean all your fish, vacuum pack it, put it in the freezer, and then, oh, yes, oh, I better cook some for dinner for everyone, you know. And it's all of a sudden, you know, you're at the back end of a 15-hour day. I'm not going to spend an hour preparing some really elaborate um, Josh Nyland whole fish cookbook type meal. I'm just going to do something that's pretty simple that I know I'm gonna, it's going to work with the fish I've got in front of me. And I think that's kind of my motivation for it. It's like just simple stuff. Eh? What about you with 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 your sort of you know with your chefing skills? Are you tempted to overcomplicate things at times?
1: Um, usually not on on those days where I'm coming back in after a long day because i I'm beat and it's like I come home and it's like. Uh, you know, I'm here with the with my wife and kids, and you know, I love them. But sometimes you're just like, man, I I'm tired. Like you you're running at fifty percent. So when I get in the kitchen, because it's usually it's inevitable that it's going to end up being dinner time when I get back. So um, I fight the urge to overcomplicate things, and definitely sometimes being tired uh, subdues that urge to do it. Definitely, and then most of the time it's like fish tacos. Yeah. It's like firing up the grill, and you know they're going they're going in tortillas with some chopped vegetables, and that's about it.
0: There is something energizing about being creative, though, and um, and, and you know, like that carries through to the kitchen as well. I think sometimes it's just having the um the courage to to sort of um to to try new things, you know, because sometimes you bugger stuff up.
1: Yeah, and you know that's why I talk a lot about people is like in the kitchen, like something most people face is like, here you go, you have something in this. I say this in, in the context of like hunting and fishing and, and spearfishing is that you've gone out and you put in all this work and you've, you know, you've dove or you've hiked or you've gotten to the special river and there you are with like your prize catch and you get home and you're like, all right, I got to cook this first off. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with it? Second is like, what if I mess it up? Because I've spent all this time and effort in order to acquire it and, mm-hmm. and I would feel terrible if I did that, but it's just like, you got to realize everybody's going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes in the kitchen. It's okay. It's like 99% of meals are still edible. You know, you may have to push through it, but you you take, take it like anything else in life and just kind of learn from your mistakes and push forward. So I think just having a good base to know, like what you do and don't do Mm -hmm. the basics in the kitchen will help you.
0: If your buddy had a blackout on your next spearfishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive
1: someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen?
0: Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout and most
1: importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard.
0: I think this is a really nice segue into, you know, what we were going to chat about for Veterans Fault. So we'll come back to your spearfishing journey. I wanted to talk to you about you know, three different ways to prepare fish. So um let's hook into it. So I believe you've got you've got three sort of techniques you have identified you uh one of them is a burger. Uh yep. so, so what are you doing this with the yellow jack? I mean
1: what's the sort of the process? No, so this you could do it with the yellow jack. You could probably do it with uh you can definitely do it with any like firm uh, firm meat fish, uh, like tuna. It's kind of what I went off of. Um, I actually used, it's a funny story. I used Bonita, uh, which down here in QS, we have Bonita and Bonito and one being like, uh, the, they call it the false albacore and one being part of, uh, I think it's the mackerel family. Okay. I want to say, so it's up very like fishy and, and bad. So we'd caught some one day and everybody's like, no, 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 no. Like toss those back. Like those are trash fish. And it's like, that's one of those words that I'm, I'm very cautious to, to latch onto because not to be cocky or anything, but it's like, I I can, I can cook my way around fish and I'm like, I can generally make it taste good. So Mm -hmm. I, I took the approach and I did some more research, and and what they were calling bonito was actually bonita, uh, which is the false albacore. Okay. So it's in the tuna family. So uh, the mistake we would made is we didn't bleed them like yep. we normally would tuna. Yep. So uh, uh, I did like a an ice water immersion, like three or four cycles, and and got a lot of the blood out. And oh, and yeah. the meat was yeah, the meat was great. Uh, yeah, soaked it nice, drained it. Soaked it, in ice water. Drained it. Soaked it, nice water, and then it, it was good. So what what's the how is it draining the blood somehow when you do that? Do
0: you do you just because obviously the heart's long long stopped and it's been yep. sub submersed and probably slurry all day. Do you do you, do you still cut like the bleeding mechanism up in the throat and then sort of hang it upside down? How, I mean, what's the, how, so, what's the yes. logic?
1: Sorry if I if I wasn't clear as far as the mm. the soaking and so soaking the water. I just soaked the the fillets in the water. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So and then just bleeding the fish on the boat is what, which is what we should yeah, have yeah. done. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, just cutting it. Um, but yeah, just soaking the fillets and then and then uh cutting up the meat and trimming everything off, taking out the blood lines and stuff like that. And the flavor was good. Yeah, right um, on. and I went, and, you know, I served it to people and they're like, "This is what." And I was like, yeah. And then I told the whole story again and they're like, I don't know about that. And I was like, well, just like next time you catch it, bleed it out on the boat, take it home and try it. Like, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then my, my thought process went further and I was like, well, what, a uh, what, what could I do, uh, to sort of put this into perspective that people would be like, oh, that's, that's easy to do. So getting past sort of the, the preparing the meat for cooking. Mm. Um, I came up with the, with the tuna burger recipe and it, it's really, it really plays into sort of kind of a, a poke bowl style. Uh, you know, I know there's a, a lot of varying recipes out there for poke bowls and it's a, a very well-known term, but you know, for this one, I use soy sauce and teriyaki and rice wine vinegar and some seasoning and then panko to hold it together And then just formed it into a patty and uh, put it in the skillet and just kind of seared it. And, you know, with tuna, you don't have to necessarily cook it all the way through because there's there's no real real threats to foodborne illnesses and stuff in the meat. So uh, that allowed me just to make this really delicious burger Mm. patty.
0: I've got a YouTube video that's going to come out for this episode. Can you share your screen and show me what you're looking at with the recipe? Sure. I'm going to share the recipe in today's show notes anyway. So if people go to noobspero.com forward slash Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, I'm going to link up the recipes that we discuss in today's Veterans Vault. But for those watching this along on YouTube, hopefully Justin's going to be able to share his screen for a second. We might get a quick look at um, what this thing looks like. I'm not sure if he's able to do it. We're working out the... the struggles of first world technology problems, because um, we're both older gentlemen, aren't we, Justin?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, there it is. Screen share. It's the green All right, button. So, yeah, yeah. Can you do All it? All right. So, yeah, I'll throw this up here. Oh, here we go. It's working. Yeah.
0: So what are we looking at? Just for the ones, because it's normally an audio podcast, 100%, but I'll just describe it. So we're in the eye. here so, we so, we're on harvestingnature.com looking at the seared Tuna Burger recipe. And, um, yeah. oh, it looks
1: good. So, what, what are those buns? So, uh, those are just kind of uh, standard, um, I guess, like not like brioche buns, but they have a, a lot of grains and stuff on top yeah. of them just Seeds to give it some cool texture. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then you got and, spinach. Uh, uh, yep, spinach from uh from my garden here. Uh, try nice. to keep it local as much as possible, and then the yellow stuff looks like cheese, but it's actually spicy mayo. Okay, and is that a so, homemade
0: thing, or are you just buying that in a in a bottle?
1: Just buying it in a bottle. Uh, uh, I took I, I do take some shortcuts sometimes. Yeah, yeah, of course <laughs> that, you do. That was one of them, and then uh, just some shredded uh, white cheddar. So I I generally when I do cheese, I try to get blocks of cheese and then shred it myself, just because. Yeah. When you buy the shredded mix in the store, it comes with like a caking agent on it. And yeah, that uh, okay. it's like a weird flour stuff they put in there. Okay. And, uh, not a fan of it. So I generally shred my own. But you can see like it's pretty well, well seared, the burger itself.
0: Well, mm, 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 mm. oh, it looks good, man. Look, it's making me hungry. I haven't even had breakfast yet. kill. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I'll link that up in today's show notes, anyway, man. And um, it looks pretty simple too. Like you got all the ingredients here, the method um, laid out. So that's 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 awesome. Nice and simple. That'll be something perfect for ninety nine spare recipes uh, if you want to chuck it in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super, uh, super quick, super easy to do. So cool, it'll probably take you longer to clean the fish than it will to make this burger.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't. Um, it's not a dish I would make often, to be honest. Is uh, the old. Um, the old burger. Um, it's just not something I think about a lot with fish. So it's a, it's a good one. Um, do you want to move on to
1: number two? Yep. Let's move on to number two here. And, uh, so for number two, so what I have is a, a lobster stock. And, uh, so here in, in Florida, we have the spiny lobster, which, you know, I know granted it's, it's not necessarily, we don't go out and spear them. Mm. Um, but we do, it's really common and it's really popular to do. And, um, I lived on the West coast, uh, didn't get out as much for it there, but here I definitely uh, took as much time to get out uh, several times throughout the season that we have to, to grab these spiny lobsters. And you, I mean, you can catch them with a the net, you can grab them with your hands. If you're, you're skilled enough to do so. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're pretty common all over the place. You know, they live in the the coral heads and in any little rock ledge or or hole in the ground that they can find. But uh I I chose a stock sort of as a way and I can I can share my screen again if you'd like for this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Just describe just describe a stock while while you're doing so if you can.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. So the the stock itself basically you think of uh like a soup base. Um, but you can do so much more with it other than just make soup. So, um, you know, I use it a lot. So if I cook pasta and I know that I'm going to have a seafood, uh, in my pasta dish, like, you know, be it down the road, not necessarily directly in the pasta, but, um, if I'm going to top it with seafood or lobster or something like that, I try to pair it with a stock that's been prepared in the same manner. Okay. And, um, so this would be an instance of like where I would use it. I use it rice almost the the same method. So here you can see so this is the the lobster in the in the pot here with a a bunch of vegetables and stuff with it. Yep. So um this is after you've taken the meat out, so you want to get the tail meat and all that stuff out and sort yeah, of set that aside. That. So yeah, you want, to,
0: you want to eat all the good stuff out of the lobster, and then with the with the remnants, you kind of you're putting it into a big pot with vegetables. And mate, do you do you put herbs and spices in there as well? Oh, sorry, herbs oh, and yeah. spices.
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you uh, uh, bay leaf, salt, uh, usually like big cloves of garlic? I think mm. for vegetables I pretty commonly we'll use carrots and uh celery onions okay. you know kind of i use a lot of two like whatever i have around there's although this is a set recipe you can you can definitely go off of it in uh in different ways so so i mean critical for this you need like a really big pot don't
0: you and then you, you need some jars to 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 put all the stock in when you're done
1: Yep. So I use uh like common here mason jars and then uh I put those in the freezer and, and they'll they'll stay good for a couple of weeks and then when I'm ready to, you know, make pasta or soup or uh you know whatever else, I, I just pull it out and let it thaw out and then just dump it in there with whatever I'm cooking. So
0: This would work equally well with um with fish heads, wouldn't it? And with yep. fish frames and things like that.
1: It would. So the, the only difference being that, uh, with fish, uh, you don't have to do it. So like the time to make on this one would be an hour. Okay. Um, you don't have to cook it that long, uh, because it's a white stock and fish in order to get kind of all the nutrients and flavor out of it. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to cook it that long. Okay. So, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a boil and it's generally good.
0: Okay. And you've got lemon in there as well. Um, Cool. And so with a – so what, you're straining the the pot at the end into these jars and that's kind of – Yeah, so generally – yep. Okay. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, nah, no, you're <laughs> right. That was kind of all my question was. I'm, I have never made a stock. Um, I always just buy it in those crappy <laughs> things <laughs> you get from the supermarket and I think this is like a – you know, because I haven't had a, a huge pot, some of these things have sort of held me back but – um. Mm, I'm gonna have to look at that one. I like it.
1: Yep. So uh, I, when I strain it at the end, I I, I strain it. You know, first. I have like three different strainers I use because generally with the stock, you want to try to get it as clear as possible. Because what you're doing when you're straining, you're straining out the remnants of the spices, any like chunks of meat and stuff like that that are still in the stock. Mm -hmm. And you want to pull those out because those are going to continue to add flavor to the liquid. And so like once it's where you want it, you want to pull those extra little bits out and just have just the liquid.
0: And then you can use... The leftover for like compost or something for the soil outside is that what you mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, generally. Um, not as much with lobster shells because they, they take a lot to decompose. I mean, I guess you could you could mush them up, um, but the vegetables, yeah, definitely straight into the compost. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, like it, man. So we
0: got stock and burgers. So number three, what
1: are we doing now? Number three, uh, so number three is this actually, uh, when we were talking earlier about sort of coming back from. Uh, coming back from a day of spearing or you know fishing or or hunting, whatever. Uh, I have some tinfoil foil packs that, that I make and this is tinfoil, foil, aluminum foil. It goes by several different yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What, whatever part of the world you're in. Well, and, here, uh,
0: here it'll be aluminium, but
1: aluminium.
0: Um, but aluminum is fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can so, rock it. Uh
1: so with aluminum foil you basically you take and combine you know, whatever vegetables, uh, you like inside of it. So a common thing would be like potatoes. Uh, you can do squash, celery, you know, really you can play with it and and do different things, uh, to put it in there. And you can either, you can do it two ways. I've done it both ways before. I either have it already made with, Uh, the seafood or the meat inside of it and Mm. seasoned and just wrapped up and I have it sitting in the fridge. That way, whenever I get back home, I can throw it in the oven or I can throw it on the grill and just let it cook. And then it's done. Or, I've taken it out on the boat before too. And if a buddy's got a grill on his boat and everybody's, you know, diving, we want to take a break midday, or we're just like, we need to eat before we go back, pull one out of the cooler. Cause it's in the aluminum foil. It's, it's pretty durable. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, uh, you we'll throw it on the grill there and let it cook. Or Ooh. if I just do just the vegetables, um, when whatever I catch, uh, or shoot, when I come back home, I'll, I'll, you know, cut it up and throw it in there and then boom, that's, that's probably like the easiest way to enjoy fish. Like after you've, you've been out all day.
0: All right, cool. So you, you've got your alfoil, you chuck your veggies in with your uh, herbs or spices. Do you put them in another separate container and mix it all together and before you, um, you know, when you add your meat and stuff, or do you just sort of leave the herbs and spices in there with the chopped, pre-chopped vegetables and then later um, on add the meat and stuff?
1: So I'll generally add some in with the vegetables and then later on, I'll add some spices in with the meat as well. So I'll try to season both. Cause like, if you think about it, each time you add an ingredient in, you're like, you're lessening the amount of flavor or spices that are in the dish already. So if okay. you know, like, Hey, I'm going to add one pound in, you can over season the beginning, but I'm not a big fan of over seasoning. I'd rather under season and sort of build my way up than than get something that's, you know, mm-hmm. too salty or, or too spicy right off the bat. So if you're
0: like if you you know you you pull up on a beach maybe you're on like a like here in Queensland in the Southern Great Barrier Reef there's like a lot of islands you can pull up and sometimes certain times of the year campfires are allowed and stuff like that so you you could theoretically have a wood fire going let it burn down to coals and then with your aluminum foil pack you could just you could start cooking your vegetables and then maybe put the fish fish in near the end and add your seasoning and stuff is that sort of one way you you do it or.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's that's sort of the origin of, of the the dish is yeah. just to to be able to have something quick and just at the campfire. And, I mean, I don't even think you have to let it burn all the way down to coal so you can kind of put it at the side of the fire and kind of move it around. You obviously don't want a roaring fire, but yeah. something that's got a little bit of a base to it is See, definitely good.
0: You don't even need a, a pot really, do you? I mean, a pot would no. probably be better, but, um, yeah, cool. All right, that's a nice, simple one. I like it. And um, like you sort of identified, at the end of a spearfishing day, sometimes you don't want to chop the vegetables up, but if they're already done, all you got to do is add the fish and chop it up, mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're done for the day. Cool. Do, do you do um, – they're awesome three recipes, by the way, Justin. Thanks for that. Thanks. Um, I'll link them up in today's show notes again at noobspeer.com forward slash Justin. And if you do happen to watch the YouTube video, obviously you'll have seen some screen shares and stuff in there, so that was cool. Um, do you do much sashimi on the boat?
1: um no not much uh so we, we try to bring everything back uh either whole and, and process it here just for for safety's sake um yeah. but definitely we've we've done sashimi and stuff uh coming back
0: yeah sure. it,
1: it is good like i had
0: a dude um dan a little while ago goes out and we um we had a mackerel it was iced down for about an hour and pulled it out and whipped um part of the tail section out and just chopped it up and we had um he had brought um soy sauce wasabi and pickled ginger and it's just it was just awesome like oh i was um i was like a like a kid in a candy store Uh, just just a big a big fat kid though this episode of the Noob Spiro podcast is brought to you by the world's greatest spearfishing magazine Spearing magazine there are news and reviews for the latest spearfishing equipment and gadgets inside there's practical how-to and diy type articles there's spearing adventures from crazy noobers like you from all over the world and uh, it's a magazine that you can pick up or you can look at and if you've got the digital subscription you can flick through and let it inspire your next spearfishing adventure, even if you're having a dry run. Keep the stoke alive. Check it out at spearingmagazine.com. If you're away from the good old USA, though, check out the international subscription. That's at spearingmagazine.com. Simple, accurate, deadly. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, and save $30 on any spear gun for a limited time only. Go to killshotspearguns.com, check them out for yourself. Handmade in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, or head into the shop and say, crikey mate, and apparently Ed will hook you up with a $30 discount on any timber spear gun. Get your hands on one, killshotspearguns.com. Cool, man. Segway away, back away from food, back into your spearfishing journey. Um, what do you think for you personally? With a – or are the hardest things um, in spearfishing like the hardest things to get competent at?
1: Um, probably the hard, hardest thing for me is just uh, just getting down down it down into depth, and then. I think I I struggled a lot with in the beginning, sort of one identifying different types of fish other than like, I'm going to go out for a specific fish and it's inevitable. You're going to see other ones. And it's like, is that one good or is that one not? Or Mm -hmm. is that one small? Or is that one kind of learning that, that underwater judgment to, to be whether, am I going to shoot this fish or not? You know, I think and this may be unique to a lot of the people that I've, I've fished with or dove with, but, some people in the beginning stages are quick to pull the trigger and Mm -mm. i think as as time rolls on people are slower you know i myself it's like i'll pass on something if it's questionable or you know if it's at the legal limit or you know if if i'm just like i I don't think this is a good situation to try to take this fish so Mm -mm. i I think those have been some things some growing pains that i've gotten over time
0: cool what about the gear for spearfishing like with a with your hunting background um Obviously, that gives you a level of confidence when you're approaching things. Um, did the spearfishing st- – I mean, there's not a lot of gear, but did it, how, how did you find adjusting to, to the equipment? I,
1: I will find uh, – <laughs> I think that there's there's a lot of gear. Uh, there's a lot of gadgets. You know, in the hunting world on land, there's definitely a lot of gadgets, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you can go out with a rifle and, and that's it that's a rifle and a knife and you're good and and even though you can do that in the water there's definitely a lot of things that make it more comfortable Mm -hmm. so sort of coming into it it's just like trying to learn one learn the lingo and then two just learn what i needed and what i didn't need Mm -mm. that's kind of it no no I, i i was just sort of i was thinking through what you were saying like we we
0: have a lot of gadgets as well and some of them are helpful and some of them are just it's just more than you need when you're starting. Like you're flat out just learning how to relax and hold your breath and get down on the bottom. You don't really need the complications of a of a dive watch or a reel or you know like um, so much of the other stuff that you can add later on. And they, they you know they can add enjoyment to the sport and they can give you greater advantage and things like that. But um, it's not I, it's not necessary.
1: I think one one thing I I try to do. So if if I see something I'm interested in uh, you know, if I go to the dive shop or I'm watching YouTube videos or, you know, hearing stories and and somebody's talking about something, I'll I'll see if one of my buddies has one first and I'll be like, Hey man, like, can can I borrow it? Can I try it out? Or like walk me through it? What do you think of it? Pros and cons and, and kind of get as much of a firsthand experience as I can before I, before I make that final decision of like, am I going to pull the trigger? Am I going to buy this? Cause you know, at the end of the day, it's that little voice in the back of my head. It's like, do I really need this or do yeah, I yeah. want this?
0: I notice my motivation for spearfishing goes down when my freezer is, has got a, a quantity of fish in it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's like I just I just become far more like, ah, well, you know, nah, you know, if I don't have an immediate use for it. I mean, but I mean, with spearfishing and fishing and hunting, we, we sort of, we operate on some old trade patterns as well though like the the barter and trade is still very much alive in the world of the of the you know the person that likes wild game and and fish like I, I will you know like i gave my neighbor some king mackerel the other day and he gave me a six pack of home brew uh beer which was you know fantastic i love that sort of stuff is that stuff you guys still do as well
1: oh yeah yeah i've uh you know i i keep throughout the year probably hunting more. I have my freezers mainly full of like wild game stuff. So it's like somebody kicks me fish or, you know, I get the opportunity to somebody's like, I've never had wild game before. I'll be like, here, man, try this. Like here's a recipe and kind of go with that approach. And oftentimes to get fish back. So it's, it's very common practice, but yeah, I think it's a in the world where people are in pursuit of food, like food is as good as gold.
0: Mm, mm, Mm-hmm. 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah, I love like getting, you know, uh, a gift or something from someone that they've caught themselves. Like it's far better than I don't know. Just because you have way more appreciation for it. You know what's gone into it. Like, yeah, yeah, you can shoot a fish as well, but someone that can then you know scale that fish, fillet that fish, portion that fish, um, and then vacuum pack it and 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 deliver. You know, like there's a lot of work. There's a lot of care and attention that's gone into that, and it means a lot more than. You know, I mean, we're just sort of um, removed from the process with a lot of the meat that you get in the supermarket. We just – we don't have any appreciation for where it's come from. Um, the, the the labeling of this food and stuff is start, they're starting to tell you the story of where it's come from, but it's not really the same, is
1: it? No, no, it definitely um, – you know, I was actually – I was talking about this last night. And it's this is here for sort of domestic meat and and I don't want to kind of squash on the the world of farming or agriculture uh, because that's that's my family but it's like they say it, that an average of like twenty five to fifty people touch the the meat in some way before it gets to the grocery store and then from the grocery store before you put it in the skillet uh, so it's like that that alone it's just like man it's a it's traveling through a lot of paths before it gets here versus like if I'm going to spearfish or if I'm going to hunt, it's like I know there's maybe one or two people that are sort of – and I have a comfort in that too to know Mm. like I know that I'm giving my friends and family like really good quality like safe food. I worked in a
0: beef processing plant uh, one of my first jobs actually in my late teens and, um, you know, when you do watch that whole process from when the animals, you know, are led into the yards to when they come out the other end in a box – like it, it is it is strange to be part of that process. I think, yeah, like it, yeah. It's a sort of a it's an untold story, and a lot of people, the shop in a supermarket, just aren't even aware of any of it. They just, yeah, which you know, which is the vegetarians' argument, I guess. Um, but we're, we're of the other ilk, where the we're happy to kill it and do it all ourselves. So it's good. Yep. Um, with uh, what? What about so so far out in the ocean? You've, you've have you had any scary situations?
1: Um probably like scariest ones uh w- we had an issue with some tides one day uh we were out on one of the jetties on uh on the north side of key west on like our northwest passage there's some jetties there and and the tide uh, i guess i won't say unexpectedly switched because the tide <laughs> switches the same but yeah. uh we we weren't as attuned with the the tides as we should have been and yeah. uh it switched and and it turned into uh you know luckily all the guys in my group were, were pretty fit guys uh i mean i'm not too too fit i don't want to throw that out there i'm still kind of, <laughs> i'm still around but uh um yeah you know we we were able to uh make it back to the boat but it was like it was exhausting and, yep. and just fighting and pushing and it's like had we been out there with someone who wasn't quite as proficient as swimming like it could have turned into a dangerous situation really really quick mm. so I, I think that's probably like it stands out definitely is the most like Oh man, we got to be careful. <laughs> man,
0: I've had the same. We were anchored out up up on a spot, and normally we don't do that. We uh, a lot of the time where we're diving out here, we we leave a person in the boat, um, and for a host of reasons, you know, getting fish out of the water, away from sharks, mm-hmm. and interfering with boat traffic and things like that. But um, we were at anchor. M- one of my friends made the call to anchor because we actually arrived on slack high tide, and while we we're in the water, the tide changed, and this patch of water is like a you know a lot of tidal current runs through this area and um literally four of us were swimming as hard as we could for the boat for 40 minutes before we finally made it back and that wasn't you know where the tide had reached full ebb you know because there's a bell curve for the tidal movement you know like Mm -hmm. whether it's flood or ebb and um if you're in that part of the tide where the water's at it's you know the most motion um jeepers there's no way you're swimming against it and um yeah it's 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 you know every area is different so you've kind of got to learn learn things and and find out those things to, to to stay safe so you guys obviously learned a valuable lesson that day
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. And I'd say you you mentioned like leaving a guy in the boat. And I think that definitely led it led to the evolution of like now somebody's like, hey, I'll I'll, you know, I'll take the I'll take the boat this time or, you know, I'll stay in. Yeah. Uh, But just just having that safety there, too, is and knowing the tides. I think it basic seamanship when it comes to that, too. A
0: lot of the systems and
1: practices you
0: adopt in life are from learning lessons. Unfortunately in spearfishing, some of the lessons that you learn can be fatal. Um, I think thankfully, most of the time we all get away with it, but, um, yeah, what about like, um, buddy diving and stuff like that? Is your crew pretty good at that or are you guys like, do you hunt shallow and just all head in different directions? I'd love your honesty. We,
1: (laughs) we, 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 uh, we, we, definitely try to stay together. Um, I wouldn't say that we've had some close calls, but it's like you, you don't ever want to be that one guy in the water and then it's like, wait, where's everybody? so I, I think we're all pretty responsible in that fact and uh you know learning through stories of others and, and situations that we've heard about. It's just like what was it? it's a ounce of preventions worth a pound of worry or I, I forget how the, the the saying goes, but it's just like w- why not dive in twos? It's just yep. it's safer
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, do you deal with sharks there much?
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you got
0: bull, uh, a lot of bull sharks, I
1: believe. Bull sharks, yeah. We end up uh, – bull sharks run across uh, not as common like uh, hammerheads and recently more – I think it's probably due to the time of year, some tiger sharks. Uh, Buddy's actually had a, a, an encounter, uh, nothing negative other than just a – a good scare and a curious shark, but, uh, yeah, definitely sharks are pretty common here, but just kind of learn to work around them.
0: With tiger sharks, like I have been in the water with them four or five times and big ones as well. I've never had an aggressive tiger shark with me in the water. Um, I have seen plenty of footage of them, and they are a different animal when they're sort of in that in that mode. But my, you know, all of the encounters I've had so far have been positive. Uh, bull sharks are a different animal, though. They seem to get confident in dirty water, and they like to sneak up on people, and they they seem to like to bully bully people a lot as well. Like what's your sort of
1: take on um, the, you know, the various shark species you've encountered? So probably like the most, the most common we see is like the nurse shark, which is like, they're definitely at the bottom of the, the threatening pool, but I mean, they'll still get after fish and they'll try to rob fish from you, but generally not going to be that uh, they'll take lobster too, but they're, they're not going to be that uh, aggressive towards humans. Um, the bull sharks are definitely like more of a concern. Like generally if if we're at a place and it depends on how long we're there. And I think, you know, there's always the rumors of like, they, they hear the sound of the gun going off and it's like the vibrations in the water, the fish blood, like everybody's got a theory as to why they show up, but it's like they do. And it's either they're going to come pass through or they're going to kind of hang out and lurk. But, uh, you know, I've never had a knock on wood, a, a negative encounter. And, and I hope I don't, but, I, you know, I've heard of people like getting bumped by them. And, mm. you know, the thing is like kind of the way they go into is just, they go in and almost eyes closed and dive at whatever they originally targeted. So if you move or you're out of the way, like you're going to miss it. But if you're in that bad spot, like he may get you. Mm, mm, so. mm. Yeah. Um. I mean,
0: most of the shark encounters we have are pretty positive or fairly innocuous, and but it's like it, you know when a person finds out you spearfish, the first question they ask is, "Well, oh, what about sharks?" You know, what's your response?
1: Um, my sh- so I, I learned so on on our podcast back in our first season, we we talked with uh, one of my buddies down here. His name's Aaron Young, and he's a, a charter captain. that does spearing and stuff, and his like oh. his common response is like, uh, if you taste the water and it's salty, there's probably sharks. And I was like, <laughs> that's like the perfect response. So, you know, and then I go on to say like, you know, as long as you go about things cautiously and like be smart, be aware of your surroundings and you know, sort of, uh, it goes back to like no when to shoot, and not to shoot. Like we've shot fish and it's been like, Oh, there's a shark. Or we've seen shark. And then there's like that prized hogfish there that we want to shoot, but we know it's going to turn into a situation if we do. Hmm cool cool all right cool what about funny stuff
0: um you you seem like a pretty uh, jovial sort of chap i'm imagining <laughs> your uh, your your peer peer group are a bunch of funny bastards as well
1: oh man
0: funny stuff that's a hard one there's a lot of good moments um i'm always partial to a poo story i haven't had one for for months i reckon uh what is it a poo story a poo story Ooh. code brown you know
1: I think (laughs) we've gotten pretty good at coordinating movements of code Brown. So, uh, uh, luckily I did get, we had, uh, we had a a friend get sick, uh, not seasick. I think he had a, he had a bad fight with a fish, actually a yellow Jack kind of, kind of kicked his butt, put up a good fight. And I think he drank a little salt water and then was just kind of hanging out on the boat. And then, uh, I was coming back to the boat and I was just like, "What is all this stuff in the water? Like floating around me?" And I look up at the side of the boat, and he's blowing chunks over the oh, side, ha, and
0: just ha, like ha, drifting ha, into me.
1: Ha, ha, ha. And uh, oh, that's uh, I was just like, "Man!" I yelled at him. I was like, "Dude, I'm right here." He's like, "Sorry, bro. I didn't see you."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, uh, so, so you got a bit seasick, and then just decided to um, just just to throw you a like a confetti. Um, <laughs> yeah. a confetti party made of just just his guts. Yeah, leftovers. Ugh. Love it. <laughs> what, a, what a way to shower and clean yourself up after a dive. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, for people starting out spearfishing, um, do you give them any advice? What's your sort of um, your go-to bits of advice?
1: Um, sort of go into it with without having sort of a mentor or somebody that, that i latched onto to sort of kind of show me the ropes i always recommend to people like find someone you click with that's that's in the community that you know is safe that seems respectful and and a good steward uh, of the of the sport and kind of like pick their brain and you know if it seems right have that conversation be like hey like can you teach me can you show me like what do you know and then um, I know there's a lot of good resources online and, and sort of in dive shops and classes and, and people teaching. So probably mm-hmm. those, those points. Are you considering a, a free diving course? Possibly. Um, I'm going to see how it goes. So we've got a few months here. Uh, we'll, we'll see where we end up next and, uh, yeah, possibly.
0: All right, cool, cool.
1: Um, fast, a little bits, bits of, uh, of
0: questions. we got the Spiro Q and A. So, um, Who's, who has been the most influential person in your spearfishing so far?
1: Um, probably uh, is guy named Justin Lee he lives in Hawaii. So yep. uh, just, Justin and I have talked on and off for several years uh, with Harvesting Nature. He, he did some writing for us like in the early part of, of our foundation and and always tried to stay in touch back and forth. So kind of watching his story online and then talking with him uh really inspirational he gets out there and has some cool adventures so it's always like those those big dreams i have too yeah yeah he's a rad dude man Uh, i think episode
0: 99 it was uh justin leon here so yeah he's a good dude and um who's the best uh sorry who's the best person to go spear fishing with and why the best person out of all your dive buddies so far who would you like to go diving with the most
1: Oh, out of all my dive buddies, probably my, my buddy, Dave. Oh, this is hard. I'm going to make somebody upset. No, probably my buddy, Dave. Like he's, he's a really good, uh, proficient diver. Um, he, he's good at getting down at depth. Uh, he's got a boat too, which helps. Um, yeah. Be like and, Dave. uh, it, yeah, he's like, he's like open, open for the adventure and being like, Hey, let's move around, try spots, do whatever. So really like we, he and I click pretty well. So, yeah. uh, I think for this part of the show, what I'm, what I'm really trying to get out of people is,
0: you know, the, the things that make for good dive buddies, you know what I mean, like, and I'm not, you know, so not, not all your other dive buddies are probably awesome, but but Dave sticks out as you as a particular favourite for a reason, so adventurous, yeah. a deep diver, and, uh, and, he's, and he's always up for the charge, eh? Yep. Awesome. Um, on your hit list, your dream list of spearfishing species, what's next?
1: Oh, trying to get after uh Wahoo and and, and Mahi. So okay. it's it's been uh the season was the season has and was kind of been off and on here and we've been trying to figure out how to do it uh proficiently. So it's been challenging, but that's it. Cool.
0: Um last question what does the spearfishing experience mean to you? Like one sentence or maybe two?
1: Spearfishing, it's uh it's getting out an adventure for food, man. It's a way to put Way to put food on the table and have a good time doing it. Cool, cool. So,
0: wild fishing game podcast is also uh, what's harvesting. What how what, how do we say the website with the recipes and stuff?
1: Uh, harvesting nature. Harvesting yep. So nature. it's uh, com. www.harvestingnature.com. We're on like all those social media platforms like the same way.
0: Okay, so harvestingnature.com and, and harvesting nature on all the socials is the best way to connect. Yep. Yep. Awesome. That's it. Man, it's been awesome chatting with you, Justin. I really enjoyed um, exploring some different ways and alternative ways to prepare um, seafood and fish. Like it's always a pleasure to new thing uh, to learn new things and, and have people like you on the show, man. So thanks for coming to
1: share. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I had a blast.
0: Super cool episode there with Justin Townsend, host of the Wild Fishing Game podcast, head over and check that out. I would encourage you to do so. Hey, two weeks we're back to chat with Adriana Rittenback and we chat SoCal Dive Babes, starting and cultivating and growing a spearfishing community specifically aimed at women. Uh, The men are not excluded though, so let's not worry too much about that. But come back in two weeks, Adriana was... She's a phenomenal chat and I really had a great time. So I will see you in two weeks. As usual, um, you can leave a noob story at noobspirit.com, and that will be included in an upcoming episode. I'd love to hear your stories about what's going on in your spearfishing. But otherwise, hey, thanks to the patron listeners. If you want to become a supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash noobspearer and do so. Awesome, I'm out. Have you ever wanted to slay fish with a weapon of your own creation? Good news for you, episode 123 of the Noob Sparrow podcast with Ed Martin from Killshot Spearguns, lays out the pattern and the plan to help you build your own weapon of death uh, and lay waste to fish with something with your own maker's stamp on it. And along with that, go to today's major sponsor website, neptonics.com, go to the Spear Gun Builder page and select your components to build that magical weapon And use the code Noob10 to save a further 10% off on anything in your shopping basket. So visit neptonics.com. Use the code Noob10 to save 10% off storewide. This special episode of the Noob Sparrow podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. Long-time partners of the Noob Sparrow podcast. spearfishing.com.au have a listener deal. Use the code No to save twenty dollars on every purchase over two hundred. Thanks for supporting the No Sparrow podcast and shopping with Spearfishing.com.au.